Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend Andrew Kerr from the House Hacking Podcast. Andrew started his career in a corporate job and then moved on to a non-profit organization where he enjoyed his job much more, but missed the financial security. This is when he started his real estate investing journey in order to build that financial security. Andrew will share his story with us and give us an introduction to house hacking. What house hacking means, how it can help you achieve your financial goals, how you can start today regardless of your location and the underlying principles. This episode is for you if you're looking at ways to reduce your housing costs and are willing to make the alternative choices that go with it. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Andrew. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, really fun to connect with people on the other side of the world. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, great that we could meet through the FinCon community. And uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you because you are um, the host of the House Hacking podcast. And house hacking is a topic we have partially mentioned here and there, uh, very like peppered along some episodes, but we didn't dive into the topic really fully. So I'm glad to have you here to talk about that. And Andrew, before we get started with the house hacking itself, can you maybe just introduce yourself in a few words and tell us a bit about your background, where you're from, and how you came to uh, house hacking? Absolutely. So I am now, I guess, 38 years old. I bought my first property at 20, and then that sort of started me on this path of real estate investing. But just to sort of step back a little further, I was the kid in um, secondary school or high school in the U.S., is what we call it, that if I liked the class, I got an A. If I didn't like the class, I did just enough to pass <laughs> and you know, never went on to the traditional four-year college and just started working right away mm -hmm. and found through sales I could start buying real estate and then transitioned over to the nonprofit sector. And what I realized is I love working for an NGO, but they don't really pay you a lot of money. And I wanted to build long-term wealth and real estate was what allowed me and then me and my wife to build that really long-term wealth and sort of create this financial stability for us. And then, as you mentioned, I'm the host of the House Hacking Podcast, where we talk about house hacking. Yeah, excellent. And I listened to a few shows, a few episodes, I mean, and uh, yeah, it was great. There's uh, quite some uh, great stories in there. And it, it ranges from um, living abroad in Dubai and Qatar Or uh, as well, I listened to another one where the lady was, uh, yeah, she started her own business. I think it was Tracy and she started her own uh, real estate business and she does all the, um, the rehabs and stuff like this. She does the flipping, the rehabs. I mean, she built herself as a professional real estate investor and um, as a female entrepreneur. So it, it's great. It covers a lot of topics. So it's, it's quite a rich topic. And maybe, uh, Andrew, you can lead us a bit into uh, explain us a little bit. What is house hacking, actually? Yeah, absolutely. So house hacking is this idea of we all need a place to live. So let me make a slightly different choice in how I pick my housing. So that way my housing helps benefit me. 
So, you know, here in the United States, we spend on average about 30 to 35 percent of our income on housing in some really big places like New York or, say, San Francisco, you know, 40, 45 percent of their income. And while those exact numbers might not be the same, say, like in the EU, it's sort of universal across the world. Most people spend a large portion of their income on housing. So if the idea with house hacking is let's take a slightly different choice to reduce that or eliminate that so I can live as close to free as possible. And now I have all this extra money that I could use to pay down debt or I can use to invest. Yeah. No, I like that. And then, um, of course, you have about 18 years of experience right now. And um, you started house hacking right away, if I understood correctly. Yeah, it was really all by accident. You know, at 20 <laughs> years old, I was in the sort of mortgage banking industry. So, you know, in the US, if you wanted to buy a loan, you'd go to a bank and there'd be a guy at the bank that would go through the lending process for you. And that that's what I did. And what I realized, I was doing this for other people and I was get, getting ready to rent an apartment with a friend. And I said, wait, you know, I can go rent a place for $800 or $1,000 a month or I can go buy a place and my payment with my taxes, my insurance, putting a little money aside for maintenance would be about the same. Like this is better for me to buy a place. And then why don't I have my friend that I was going to live with, he can come live with me and pay me rent and I can get the rent. So it was really all by an accident. I I wasn't that smart at 20. I didn't have this brilliant, you know, genius mind. I just sort of said, hey, this is something that mm -hmm. makes more sense than what everyone else is doing. Let, let me go that route. So I sort of stumbled into it at uh, 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you document that pretty well on your website. So I'll link to it in the, in the show notes so people can see the exact numbers and how you get into that. But it's quite interesting because then this was the first one, and then you had another one, and then I think now it's your fourth or fifth? Yeah, my, my wife and I are now in my fourth house hack, her second mm -hmm. house hack. So, you know, over these 18 years since I bought my first property, I've bought tons of other properties. I think I peaked about 40 mm -hmm. rental units back in 2016, but, you know, throughout that period, like everyone else, you need a place to live, so why don't I do a house hack to reduce our housing costs. And that's where what my wife and I did was, you know, when, when we started getting serious, I said, why don't we do a house hack? You've never owned a property before. I have. If we do a house hack, this can really set us up as this newly engaged and soon to be married couple financially. And, you know, my wife didn't really get it. Real estate was my thing. But what I did is I said, you know, you and I, we love traveling in right now when we moved to New Orleans, we rented a place. I think our rent was like 14, 1500 US a month. I said, you know, this is $20,000 a year. Mm -hmm. If we could cut that in half, you know, $10,000, that lets us have a pretty cool international trip every year. And then her eyes started to light up. And I said, well, if we've got <laughs> a really good one, we would have, you know, zero housing costs. That would save us $20,000 a year. And she's like, those are some really cool trips. And that's what really sort of sold it. So yeah, over the years, you know, even after I built up a really big real estate portfolio, we'd still do a house hack. And, you know, we have changed the style of house hack we've done over the years to fit our needs. But it's a really great tool for eliminating one of your biggest line items in your, in your budget every month. Yeah, absolutely. But then you said you changed the style. So you mean that you live with your wife 
but you don't have other roommates. I mean, that's not the only way of house hacking, I, I imagine. No, no. You know, and a lot of folks had this traditional mm -hmm. idea of house hacking where you only, you either have roommates or you have sort of a multi-unit property. And what we try to do on the show and what we've really sort of does sort of styled is like, let's look at house hacking, these six main styles. So there's the roommate style where, you know, you're used to having a bunch of roommates. So instead of renting a, um, a place and, you know, go buy a place with three, four five bedrooms and you be the landlord and you rent it out to your friends and that covers mm. your, your mortgage. You know, the next style is this income suite. So a lot of places have like a, a back room with its own entrance, or maybe it has a, what we call in the U.S., like a basement, and you can convert that into an income suite. In the U.S., uh, there's something called a accessory dwelling unit. Uh, this might be like a pool house or a detached building that you can convert into a rental unit. So we, we call that sort of the ADU house hacking. Mm -hmm. Then there's that traditional style, the multifamily, where you buy like a two unit, three unit, and four unit, and you live in one unit and you rent out the others. Sort of what you had mentioned, the story with Dubai, we call this work-provided house hacking, where you find a job that gives you a housing allowance or gives you corporate housing as one of your benefits. And then, you know, this sort of last option is you buy a rundown property and you live in it and you fix it up over two years, and then you sell it, and that profit covers all your living costs and gives you a ton of money to walk away to put into a new property or to invest. So those are sort of those six main styles of, of house hacking. And yeah, my very first style was that roommate style. So mm -hmm. it was my second. Then we did a multifamily with a accessory dwelling unit out back. And now you know, we're in a three bedroom, two bathroom duplex. So we've got a nice fenced in yard, sort of private area in the back, you know, nice bedrooms, beautiful kitchen. And then we have a tenant on the other side. And, you know, ju just as a point of reference for folks that are listening, the area we live in, if you were to rent a three bedroom, two bathroom home fixed up like ours is, would probably cost you 2000 to 22 $2,400 US a month. And it costs us about seven, $800 a month oh, wow. to live here because our tenant on the other side covers a majority of our mortgage. So, you know, we're living in a really great location, great area, beautiful building at a very, very uh, reduced cost. We're like on our, th our third house act that we just moved from, you know, we had zero housing costs there, and that property actually gave us about eight to 10 grand a year in profit. Um, so there's all these different ways. But you know, with that one, we lived in a two-bedroom, one-bathroom unit. So we upgraded as our life changed, and we start to think about planning for a family and wanting more space. So that's the cool thing with house hacking. It can sort of shift over time, and you can do a different style based on where you're at with life. So whether it's just you or you and a partner or you start to have kids, you know, there's a lot of options out there for you. Yeah, definitely. And then, for example, last year when I, when traveling was possible, <laughs> yeah. I went to this B&B, uh, like not Airbnb, the B&B, and it was just the parents, I mean, all the kids uh, moved out of the house and then the parents keep it as a B&B, bed and breakfast close to the airport in Brussels. And okay, I was just sleeping in the, in the room of a of their boys, you know, like, uh, yeah. okay, they reconverted it a bit. Of course they made it a, like a nice room, but it was just, uh, the previous room of, of uh, one of their sons and they have two or three 
So they just reconverted it. And that's what they do now. They pick up passengers uh, from the airport and you can sleep there one night before your flight or if you have an early flight. So it's great. So that's their way of house hacking now. Yeah, that's an awesome way of house hacking. So, you know, the other thing we we look at is, you know, what are the three types of tenants you can have? So mm -hmm. as an example, you know, there's that short-term tenant, sort of like what you did. You went and you stayed a night or maybe you stayed two or three nights at a place. So you can do like those folks did as they say, hey, we have these extra rooms, sort of a roommate style, but we want to rent it out as a B&B. Mm -hmm. Perfect option. The other is to have a more furnished place and do a little longer term rent. So maybe, you know, your job is going to move you to a city for three to six months and you don't want to stay in a hotel that that whole time, but you don't want to do a year long lease and have to go buy furniture. You could do that sort of midterm rental. And then there's the traditional longer term tenant. So you can combine those with the different uh, styles of house hacking. And I, I love that example that you gave where that retired couple said, hey, let's bring in some extra income. And, you know, it's also people love love interacting with other folks. So if you're more social and you don't mind doing airport runs and talking where people are from and hearing their stories, that could be a really cool, cool option. Yeah, absolutely. And then I did the same. Then I went to an Airbnb. It was in the US in San Diego. And then it was a also a retired couple and they have built an extra unit, um, like in a bit like you mentioned, the one in the in your backyard, and then they just build a room there, which extend it, and then they um, they say this will become our bedroom when we are too old to climb up the stairs. But in the meantime, we rent it out as a as a B and B. We make extra income, so they yeah they were pretty open about it, and it was cool, you know. Uh, so it's it's all that's one of examples that come to mind. But then I was wondering, uh, Andrew, because okay, the roommate style, I think. People kind of get the idea when you're a student and it's not hard to think and people may relate to it. But where did the inspiration come from for the other examples? Where, how did you come up with those ideas? Yeah. So, I mean, some of them were just at, out there and other people called different things. So, you know, there, there was that roommate style and then the multifamily. Uh, there, there's a show here in the U.S. where they actually called it on their show where they try to produce income suites. They didn't quite call it house hacking. So I said, you know, that is its own little style on its own where let me find some space under my current roof that I can have its own yeah. entrance and make that into an income suite. The ADU house hacking was just sort of this idea that was out there. And I just tried to say, hey, look, I don't think anyone's really calling it ADU house hacking. In the U U.S., ADU is uh, short for an accessory dwelling unit. That's what, in the U.S., the building code essentially calls this outside building. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the work provided was uh, something that we sort of just tried to think about where, you know, a lot of folks don't think about that of like, if I maybe I'm a travel nurse and I get an allowance for housing or, you know, in the U.S., if you're in the military, you get a housing allowance. So, mm -hmm. you know, we did a great episode with a guy that said, hey, I'm going to go get a housing allowance. I'm going to use that housing allowance to rent a property that has an income suite. And I'm going to rent out that income suite for Airbnb. So not only was his job giving him money to pay for his housing, but then he was bringing in extra income on top of that by renting out the income suite. So uh, some of it was just naturally stuff that, that developed. Um, and then some other people had coined, but no one had ever really sort of combined it together as in, you know, here's these six main styles of house hacking. Mm -hmm. And I must say that maybe you don't notice, Andrew, but I had the chance to do um, 
to be an expat for one year. I was sent to France, to Paris, and there, there my housing was paid for uh, for one year. And uh, yeah, that was amazing because I had my apartment. I was living then in Norway. It was um, I rented it out, and then my housing in France, in Paris, was paid for by the company. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm basically living for free. I was like, but this is great. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's where, you know, if we, you know, a big part of investing, you know, put house hacking aside is, you know, if we're trying to look at our personal finances and investing, we just need to sort of grab the wheel to the car. We, we need to be intentional about what we're doing. And sometimes if we just pause and we think through stuff a little bit, we can come up with some really cool ideas. And that work provided house hacking is such a great option. You know, there's tons of teachers that would love, that love to travel and would love to spend a couple years abroad. Go pick a teaching job where they give you a housing allowance. Or maybe you're in the sort of more corporate job like you, and they say, hey, we're going to send you to France for a year. And by the way, we're going to cover your, your housing. You know, so we, if, if that's something you like travel, you know, be intentional about that. And you can start to search for those jobs instead of just saying, well, I don't like the job. I'm going to go just pick another job. Start to be intentional and think through some of those things where maybe we can negotiate that into our compensation package. Yes. Okay. It was not an easy one. It was a bit an opportunity, but then I seized it and it's not always easy in the corporate world, but you know, if the, the chance is there and you're flexible, why not? And this is basically, it sparked the whole thing about my blog and the podcast, because then I was like, oh yeah, okay. I'm living for free. What am I going to do with the money? And then from one thing came the other. So I'm not going to expand uh, it uh, on it right now, but it was great. And then what I did as well, and that people can do maybe is that when I was, um, yeah, going out for sometimes for holidays for a week or two, I was trying to rent out my own apartment. So people may not, may be, or may not be comfortable with it, but I was like, Hey, I can make money out of my apartment. Even if it's small, I didn't have the, the chance to have a backyard and everything. I cannot, I could not do the equivalent of ADU, but still I tried to make some money out of it. So it's, there are some possibilities out there, even if you, even if you have a small apartment. Absolutely. I mean, we just have to think and say, look, you know, am I okay with a little bit of doing something slightly different than everyone else is doing? And, you know, some folks say like house hacking is really difficult. It takes a lot of work. You can't have a lot of luxury. And, you know, I sort of counter that to say, you know, you can pick your style. Some styles are more inconvenient than others, but if we want to get ahead financially, unless you inherited a ton of money or you have a job where you're getting paid millions of dollars a year, it's it takes work to get ahead financially and just sort of look at that trade-off of like, hey, why don't I think and be creative about my housing? And then now that frees up all this extra money that I can use to invest and to get ahead financially. Mm -hmm. And then I was, I just have a question coming to mind is that if you live in a high cost of living area, like you mentioned, New York, this can apply to any large city or expensive cities. Uh, what would be, let's say you live in an apartment and you need to rent uh, or you, you have an apartment yourself. What would you say is a good way to house hack except living um, like uh, 20 miles away? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think it just comes back to you need to be creative. So. Mm -hmm. Can I find a place? So, you know, we have this great case study that had come to mind uh, with this woman, Nadia, on our website. She had a place in Brooklyn. She found special financing to buy it with very little money down. And then the way it was, it was this multi-unit sort of townhome. 
and she realized, you know, maybe it's not the perfect house hack where I have zero housing costs, but normally it would cost me $3,000 to live in this area. Mm -hmm. Now with this style house hack, it can make it only $1,000 and that saves her $2,000 a month. So, you know, it's not a house hack where your costs are zero, but that still puts her ahead financially. Uh, we had another great story of someone in Seattle. It took them you know, like a year and a half to find a place. The market was so competitive. It was so expensive, mm-hmm. but they found a place that had a basement and they did all the work themselves to make that into a very nice rental that they could put on Airbnb. And that covered almost all of their mortgage costs. So, you know, you, again, you just have to be patient and then you have to be creative uh, thinking through it's, and then you got to detach yourself a little bit. You know, a lot of times when we go to buy a home, it's a very emotional decision. It's, Absolutely. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's got to be the right place. It's got to be perfect. It's going to be where, you know, we're going to be the right area, yeah. the right area. And it's, you know, you want to try to get like nine out of 10 things of your, your, your wish list. But maybe as an investor, you say, okay, I want a house hack. So I'm okay if I can get six or seven things on my wish list or maybe eight, but I'm okay not getting nine out of 10 or 10 out of 10 because my housing costs are reduced. And I'd rather have that extra thousand a month than have, you know, two extra items on my checklist or have an extra bedroom that I'm never going to use. I mean, that's something I know Europe is a little different, but in the U S people have these giant houses with rooms that they never use. And it's money that is being essentially wasted. And they say, well, I got to have this and I need this. And a lot of times we rationalize with ourselves of saying, you know, I need this because, and in reality, we, we don't always truly need it. Um, so sort of detach ourselves from that emotional side of things. And, you know, to me, that's just not house hacking and buying a property. You know, when we invest, we want to look at things very rational and not get, you know, caught up in the emotions of an investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and here we have those shows. I mean, I've seen a show, it's from UK, and they explain how you can um, do some rehabs in your home and then increase the value by, uh, I don't know, 20, 30, even 50, up to 50%. And I think that's great. You know, you, you can uh, extend your veranda or whatever, your living room and make it nice and open. But is that really a house hack? Yeah. I mean, you know, it adds value. So in one way, maybe you say yes, but here's the thing, right? So if I expand that veranda, is it going to help generate me any income mm-hmm. or is it just going to increase the value of the property, which increases my net worth? And one of the things I sort of think about when you have a, a home that you live in and it's your primary residence, for most folks, that has to be considered a liability, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a, an asset in the sense that it's real property, it's tangible, it can increase in value. But If you lose your job, you still have to pay the mortgage. Or even if you have no debt against it, you still have a property tax. You still have to pay insurance. So that's why I I sort of say it's still a a liability. So yes, you spend 25 grand to increase the veranda and now your house increases by value of 50,000. So yeah, you made $25,000, but it's on paper. It's not money that's going to help you pay your bills if you ever get sick. So I sort of, you know, my broader investment strategy is how can I build assets that produce income Mm -hmm. in case I'm ever sick or lose a job? And then how can I build assets that will 
build my net worth and that will I can cash in 5, 10, 20 years down the road to turn over into other assets. And I try to balance out that of, you know, investing in income producing assets versus, you know, that that show. And I have to ask, are the shows in in the EU as bad as they are in the US where like in 20 minutes they do, you know, six months of work and they say, oh yeah, you know, we didn't think it would work, but we magically made money on the deal. Uh, I think it's, it's it's very similar in that sense. You know, it's like everything went fine, but sometimes you have the struggles, you see the struggles and everything, but it's roughly the same. Huh? I mean, the, the idea stays the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there, there's not too many shows here in the US that uh, tell the whole picture. They, they make it look too easy sometimes. Uh, okay, okay. No, there's a bit more struggle here. <laughs> okay, okay. Maybe because of the older uh, foundations and structures and whatever. <laughs> I know, I, you know, I worked the property we just finished working on is a hundred years old, which is crazy. You know, in the city I'm in, New Orleans is three hundred year old city. We just celebrated the three hundred year anniversary, and you compare that to Europe, like a hundred year old property is nothing, right? You know, you you can have properties that are three, four, five hundred years old. Exactly. Okay, cool. And then uh, Andrew, there was something as well I wanted to ask because, of course, the listeners can come to your show and listen to uh, great stories and find uh, the information on the, on the website. And of course, you're not the only one, but uh, as well, there's a, a trend lately to, and there's bigger pockets, for example, which I recommend to everybody, where, uh, which you probably are a fan as well. But then there's also a series of, um, yeah, people, you know, like guys and they're, they're 22, 23 and Somehow they, they are already uh, like serial uh, house hackers or serial, uh, they already have uh, 40 properties at 23. Uh, how, how serious are, are those people and how can we spot the fake ones from the real ones? You know, it, th this is always a, a, an interesting thing, right? It drives me crazy when people on their Facebook or Instagram profiles say they're a serial entrepreneur and they're 22 years old. It's like, you know, you've only been investing for two years or three years. Are, are you really a serial entrepreneur? And I don't want to discount anyone. Like, you know, if you, you bought your first property at 21 and by 23, you've got 40 properties. I mean, that is amazing. You did more than the average person. So I don't want to discount it from that sense. Mm -hmm. But one of the challenges that everyone's realizing right now, it's a little easier to be successful when everything's going perfectly. You know, in, in the EU, this guy might not be very well known, but in the US, there was this boxer that was really famous in the 90s, Mike Tyson. He had this quote that I loved. He goes, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. And the idea is you could your, your plan works perfectly when there's no challenges, but as soon as you run into a challenge, that plan can fall apart really quickly. So what, what concerns me when folks have only been investing for three, four, five years in a very big rising market is they haven't had major economic downturns and challenges. Mm -hmm. yeah. And what we're finding with COVID-19 is that plan made sense until COVID-19 happened. Now I know, you know, this is a black swan event, right? You know, you, you talk about investing, it's a, a term in the US that's used a lot, something that truly happens once in a lifetime. But if we sort of look at back, you know, 2020 black swan event, COVID-19, 07, 08, you know, worldwide economic meltdown. You know, in the US, we had in 2000 or 99, 2000, there's a giant tech bubble and that affected people around the world. Yeah. 2001, we had the 9 11 terror attacks. 
And, you know, we went to war. You go back through the 90s, there was issue. You go back into the 80s, there's savings and loan crisis. You know, every, what, three to 10 years, there's going to be some sort of major economic change. And for the folks that, you know, again, not to discount their success, if you had a great success and you've had a run up, like I don't want to discount that. But the folks that I like to follow are the folks that have been investing. So like, I love Brandon Turner of Bigger Pockets yeah. for so many reasons, but he started investing in the early 2000s. He made it through the 07, 08 crisis. He's made it through COVID and he's expanded. You know, the other guy I really love is Coach Carson, sort of same thing, started investing 01, uh, 02, invested and had success. You know, he lost some money, but made it through fine. And 07, 08, I like to see some of those more uh, tried and true tested folks that have made mm-hmm. it through a couple crises, but use those younger folks for inspiration or the folks that have only had success, you know, or have a track record over the past two or three years. They're doing some things right, so gain what you can, and then look for those folks that have been investing for a longer time. And that's just not real estate. I mean, do you want to follow a uh, stock market investing guru who's only been successful in the past three years? Yeah, that's easy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it, we've had a huge, huge bull run. So sure, it's easy to say they they had a great track record. So I I like to look at both, but. Uh, yeah, it drives me crazy when someone says they're a serial entrepreneur and they're 22 years old. It's like you have no life experience yet. You know, come mm. on. Yeah, of course, I totally agree. And then Andrew, you know, you okay, you you mentioned that yourself, you you have purchased and sold uh, for 40 properties. Now you're house hacking, and so meaning that okay, your expenses are close to nothing when it comes to housing, and you made profits here and there. So. With all that money, what are you actually doing? What are you working uh, towards to? Yeah, so in 2016 is when I sort of hit my peak of having 40 rental units. You know, mm-hmm. those were some single family, some condos, and some multifamily. And I was on this track of, you know, in, in the a lot of investing world, whether it's in equities or real estate, there's this very big, you know, you're not successful until you're making multi-millions or in real estate, it's you know, you're, you're not successful unless you own a hundred rental units or a thousand. Mm-hmm. So I was driving towards that big number. And I realized when I got to about 30, 35 units, getting towards 40, I said, you know, I like real estate. It's a great way to build wealth, but I don't love real estate where I want to own a giant hundred or thousand unit business. I like real estate because it builds wealth that then lets me spend my time the way that I want. And for me, you know, that's doing nonprofit work, NGO work, which doesn't pay very well. Uh, so that's how I spend a lot of my time. I started selling off those properties to invest in what we call in the U.S. syndication. So it's this idea of if you're going to go buy a two, three, four, five hundred unit apartment complex, you know, that could cost 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars. So what investors will do is they'll syndicate and they'll get, you know, 50, 100 people to all mm, put in small yeah. amounts and there'll be a lead partner. So I started rolling my money into that. Then I started investing more outside in in equities. I invested in some tax deferred accounts, you know, over the years, but I, for the longest time, put all my money in real estate. So now I started to diversify out of that, started building my online uh, blog and website. And then now I'm also starting to look at investing in um, some sort of small to medium-sized businesses where maybe they need someone to come in as a 
advisor and say, you know, Andrew, you understand real estate really well. Uh, could you come and put capital in? And we're growing where we need to go uh, expand to two or three locations. And could you advise us on finding and buying good property, fixing it up that we can use for our business and it helps reduce our business expenses. So I'm trying to build, you know, these multiple different streams of income now. So yeah, nonprofit work, real estate, equities, online, uh, personal finance blog, and then also uh, spend time uh, looking at trying to find some businesses to invest in as well. Okay, that's excellent. I really like that because basically yeah, you're, you're, you are defining what you want to do with your money and you're not kind of, um, I would not say tied up, but you're not uh, only doing the real estate, uh, managing all the properties and get, making sure you get all those uh, rental income paid. Yeah, you know, that that was great and I did it for the longest time, but mm -hmm. now I'd rather invest more passively. So yeah. me and my wife can do nonprofit work. We love to travel. I, you know, in, in the US, there's some folks that like to travel, but their travel is going to the same beach in Mexico every year versus, you know, all my EU friends. You know, it's to, to speak multiple languages, very common to have gone to a dozen countries is very common. But me and my wife, I think I've been to 34, 35 countries. She's been to about 40. You know, we love traveling. We mm -hmm. love exploring different cultures. And that's how we rather spend our time, you know, spend our time with each other, you know, valuing experiences and then giving back to charity. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Well, Andrew, I really, um, really liked your story and uh, your tips, um, your introduction that you gave to uh, house hacking. I think it was really great. And I hope it can help uh, many people get ideas or get inspired. and then. Yeah, if you are inspired, um, we'll talk about uh, Andrew's uh, contact details just afterwards. But yeah, I think it was great. So thank you so much, uh, and Andrew. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It was great chatting with you. And whenever the uh, world gets back to normal, next time I'm in Europe, we'll have to meet for uh, absolutely a coffee or a beer. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. But before I uh, let you go, Andrew, we have our three quick fire questions. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. So question number one, Andrew, well, it's funny we talked about real estate, but the number one question is what has been your best investment so far? Yeah, probably this um, third house hack that I did. We bought this old rundown building, turned it into three higher end units, and then also uh, had that accessory building out back. I mean, that added quite a bit of wealth to our uh, net worth and gave us a place to live for two and a half, three years mm -hmm. that actually paid us to, to live there. And, and being the fact that it was the sort of first investment my wife and I did together, I, I sort of call that our, uh, my, my best investment. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. And then, uh, Andrew, question number two, what, uh, what is a book you can recommend to anybody and it does not need to be a financial book or a link to real estate? Yeah. You know, I love the, uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill is a really great, like, timeless classic. And then The Richest Man in Babylon are sort of these two staple books that, to me, play into investing. But it's more of just this idea of, about building wealth, giving back a little bit, and how you just sort of think very differently. And they're, they're very, to me, timeless books that are make sense across multiple cultures and languages. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I listened to the... The Richest Man in Babylon. Yeah, it was a great story. And I think it's explained quite simply through a, it's kind of a parable. So it, it's, it makes it interesting and it's funny. And no, it, it's very accessible. And Think and Grow Rich, it's on my list. I have it as an ebook, but I haven't uh, gotten to start it yet. So yeah, it's definitely on my list as well. 
And then, Andrew, my, um, my third and last question, what is the best purchase you've made for under $100? Yeah, so this is a, a, a digital product I purchased. It's called uh, Last Pass. Uh, I bought this um, almost just out a year ago. I think it was like 80 bucks for the full year, but it has just been a life changer. You know, the normal average person just has so many passwords for, you know, your mail account, your social media. And then once you start building an online business, I think I ended up with somewhere like 300 plus different logins and passwords for the different shopping websites. So the websites I use for email, for different services and trying to tr keep track of them all was just crazy. So I love LastPass. That's probably my best purchase I made for under $100 in, in several years. Oh, yeah. Then that's an excellent tip because, yeah, it's all about safety as well. And uh, as well, uh, avoiding all the headaches with the, yeah, what's my password again? It's, uh, you know, yeah, I face the same issue and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm on LastPass as well. So I have it as well. So excellent tip. So, Andrew, where can uh, people... Um, where can people find you? How can they reach out to you? Yeah, so my website is FiBiRia, so F-I-B-Y-R-E-I.com. I have all the social media handles with that. And mm -hmm. then you can also look up The House Hacking Podcast. Uh, we've got you know Instagram, Facebook uh, for, for that as well, if you want to learn more about house hacking. Okay, excellent. Well, Andrew, it was a pleasure. And uh, yeah, we keep in touch and I speak to you soon. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something new about house hacking and maybe there's some ideas that you picked up that you can use and in order to reduce your housing costs. Who knows? I hope so. And anyways, before we head off, here are the key takeaways for today. Number one, what is house hacking? House hacking is making a different choice of housing so it benefits you by reducing your housing costs. This will allow, for example, to use the extra money for other purposes like investing or traveling with your wife, for example. Number two, if your wife or partner does not really understand the concept of house hacking, tell him or her this. Hey, honey, imagine the extra money we would have if our housing costs were halved or even removed. This will allow us to travel more or uh, use it for other purposes that we enjoy more than paying our mortgage back. <laughs> Number three, there are six ways to house hack. The roommate agreement, the multi-unit property, the income suite, the ADU, which is kind of a... Uh, shed in your garden or a studio which you can convert into a rental unit, the work provided housing which is a bit harder but there are ways to, to find some. I think if you listen to Andrew's podcast you will find some solutions or some inspiration and then the last one the live-in flip where you live in a rundown property and you fix it up and then sell for a profit. Number four, a general key tip for house hacking is to be intentional, being creative and to think through your choices to see what's best for you and how you can make the best out of your choice. And then the last one, when looking for a home, well, you might have that uh, 10 bullet point list, that uh, wish list. Well, be prepared to not get everything on that list. Make the necessary trade-off that will allow you to do the house hacking so you can reduce those housing costs. So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me. If you have any questions or feedback, send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.